Hey Angels, it's Amy from the Freud's Angels podcast. And Vanessa. We're here to bring you a special series about my journey and rewriting my narrative around my body and redefining my relationship with it. And along the way, as Amy is on this journey, we will bring to you gifts that come out of it, ways that you can handle your own body journey, things that you can think about in order to reclaim your own narrative. Now let's get to it. Hey, angels. Welcome back. Episode number two. Yay. (laughs) We did come back. Yes. (laughs) There is more to learn. Yes. Okay. So Miss Vanessa, what are we, what are we going to talk about today? Well, so where where we're at right now, you know, uh, if you haven't listened to episode one, go back and listen to that because, you know, it's important. It's important to do some of this in a step, in steps, because um, it's difficult to do out of order. (laughs) I will just say that. Do yourself a favor and do them in order. (laughs) So uh, in that first, that, that first episode, we talked about why. And then in this episode, we're going to talk to Amy about um, the investigation into what's happening. How did this happen? What, what got us to this point? What are, what are we doing here? What is the, the, what are we doing? I I just keep saying that over and over and I feel like that's just stop talking. There it is. (laughs) So it's the investigation episode. And um, again, you know, we're on this journey um, to bring you information, but it is going to be heavily guided by our, our experience with Amy's journey. So maybe I should be asking you what we're talking about today. (laughs) Well, I think when we, after we discover our why we need to have an investigation where, where, where was the first sign of having some feeling untoward against my body and how it looked, how it felt, what it was doing. Um, what it's funny. I just, I just had a memory that flashed, uh, flashed mm. in my head. Um, sorry, I got distracted. Um, no, it's amazing. Hello journey episode two. We're here. <laughs> so, um, no experience, you know, so th- we have to go back and, and kind of create a timeline. We have to find, in order to treat the root, we kind of have to search for it as we know it consciously. Now, there may be subconscious things we've forgotten. Again, I don't remember most of my childhood. I remember moments like that just show up like it just did, but I don't remember most of my childhood. So for me, pinpointing the root, I'm kind of guesstimating Um, And I'm kind of just going back and thinking of moments and memories of when and where I felt good, where I didn't feel good, where I felt, um, you know, ostracized because of it, or I felt there was a negative reaction. Um, Mine, personally, I started, um, my issues, I think, I believe, with my body started in utero. Um, When we have babies... Um, when you're pregnant, your blood, your energy is filtered through your child. Mm. 
So if you're having some sort of trauma or there's something happening or you're struggling with a belief system or there's something at the very forefront of your mind, your baby's getting that download. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes it's inevitable. We can't, we can't always have a harmonious Zen-like life. Life right. happens. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's how we cope with what we're handed and how we regulate that. So you mm-hmm. could have a moment of like, say you were an upset, say something happens and you're sad and you're upset. But how you work through that is also transmuted to your baby. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My mother was a depressive. She is a martyr. She does not handle well stress or any type of rejection, any type of feeling of not being supported. She doesn't handle it at all well. Um, when I was when she was pregnant with me, my father and my mother were getting a divorce. So I there was so if you think about it, a woman getting divorced, what is she feeling like? She failed her family. She's not good enough. Um, my mother's always had weight issues. So she probably was feeling like, oh, I'm not as thin as I used to be. Um, she's probably also thinking that, you know, there's other things, anger. So I'm sure there's anger in there, but yes. all of those things. And I think as my mother worked through her grief and her issues, she never handled them well. Her weight was a narrative her, like the whole time I've known her. Mm. And she, there was always this idea of weight loss, dieting, something wrong. You know, if you were less than the stick that she used to be as a woman before she got, had children, you know, and I think that that was part of it too, is that it was a part of rejection of me because it was, I the catalyst that caused her to either a gain weight or b that my father left, like, mm-hmm. you know, was I being blamed as the catalyst? So I think that, and I've had a couple healers share, um, energy that they, that there was, there was in utero trauma. So sure. I think that's where it started. Now, is that healing? Mm-hmm. Yes, of course it is. But if I look on the timeline of my life, I look at kindergarten. I was, that's when I first experienced somebody teasing me about how I looked. I was overweight. I was in a growth spurt. I was mm-hmm. a chunky kid. I was hitting like that next level growth spurt and yeah, before first grade. And so I had some kids who were made fun of me. Now I remember that because I remember graduating from kindergarten and my dress was too small. And so the buttons, you know how when something's too small, the buttons are like puckering and you got, so yeah, that's, and, and they made fun of me for that. Mm. Um, And then transfer to first grade. And my, I, it was, it was nearly as, it was between first and second grade where my moniker, my nickname of Miss Piggy stuck. And the boys in my school used to make fun of me. And I think that, you know, people tend to, to gravitate towards people that are kind of the wounded cat. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they, they, they tend to people who are bullies tend to find the person who they will find and seek out that low energy type of person Mm -hmm. 
is easy to pick on. Absolutely. And, you know, and then I had teachers who were very dismissive of me, um, my, you know, of my physical being in second grade, Mrs. Pulsifer. <laughs> I don't know why I remember her name. Um, well, we know why. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I, for example, like, like I would wear pants to school that it was hard to button and my mom would send me to school. So I would come out of the bathroom and be like, can you help me button my pants? And she would just be like, very, she'd react very negatively for me asking. I'm fucking seven. I'm like a little kid. It's like, you know, when a, somebody comes up, a child comes up to you, you just, you help them. Right. And, like I can't buy my own pants lady. These are the ones I have. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one time I was not feeling well. And I, I asked her to go to the nurse's office and she said, you're not sick, just go. And she was angry at me and she refused to believe I was unwell. So I walked, I was into the nurse's office and the nurse wasn't there. I walked into the hallway and in front of everybody that was in the, the lobby at the school, I vomited all over the floor. Oh man! And so it was like, you know, again, starting to not believe, you know, my symptoms, what my body was saying, not believing what, you know, all of these create these narratives of, you know, my physical space. You know, I, I, I don't really have very many friends because, you know, the people make fun of me. So no one dares to befriend me because they don't dare to befriend the girl that people are teasing. I don't really have a space at home that I can talk about to anybody. I don't know that I should talk to anybody. My mother has her own weight loss issue. I, I, I witnessed to this. So I really think that that's where it started. And, and if you just continue on, I mean, my, my schooling career, like I it just, you just continue on and I, you just, I can, I can have, there's bullying, there's teachers who, um, you know, just are mean to me and are, are just, you know, they're, they're dismissive of me, accusing me of things, accusing me of lying, you know, so there's this, there's emotional sense of not having a place to fit in, mm-hmm. not having a place in the world where I, I enjoy myself or that my presence is welcome. Sure. And so I really feel that that's, part of how the this idea this rejection of my physical being started like as a kid there's not much you know what to do with it when it happens you just you know you just do what you can Um, right and if your trusted adults aren't aren't there to combat your story or combat other people's story you're gonna go with what the majority says right and as like i remember it had to have been third grade, third or second grade. I remember, and I have, there's a birthday pictures of it. And I remember I was, again, I was hitting another growth spurt. So I chunked up Mm -hmm. and I remember my mother saying to me, that's when she started her, you know, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. It's, it's, you, you just, you know, the, you, you'd, you'd be kind of, you'd be pretty if you could lose some weight you know, as a motivator, you know? Yeah. right. Which again, all, all it is, is my, 
supposed most trusted adult, the person who's supposed to love me no matter what, is saying the same thing that all these other people are saying. So it must be true. Yep. So convincing mm-hmm. the narrative. Yep. Now, just to share with you the moment, this is how this is how bad it was. So when I was young, oh gosh, I don't know how old I was. I was young. I was between the age of five and seven, I think. And I was walking across the street. Now I used to live off of the busiest street in Alton, Barnstead, <laughs> Route 28. It's the main drag through the whole thing. Yes. I used to fly around my corner. And so I was getting the mail with my brother. And we were walking across the street. And I was walking back and I was hit by a car. And when my Tommy came over and helped me up and was like, oh my God, are you okay? Whatever. And I went over to the car and I apologized to him because of it. Like, I I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And the guy was like, are you all right? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And then he left. Like he didn't even stick. Oh my God. But, but like, I apologize to him because my physical being was in his way. Like I, uh, how fucked up is that? Yeah. I mean, hearing it right now, I'm like, oh man, that's like sad. That's so sad. Like my initial thought wasn't, oh my God, I just got hit by a fucking car. It was right. oh, this, this MFR needs yeah. to pay attention to what he's doing. <laughs> How are you going to run over a person? Pay attention, right? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I exist. That wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in in here. It's just, it's like, like, I'm just like, oh. Yeah. Uh (laughs) You know, and it's just, and and when thoughts of things like that show up and always acquiescing, always just people pleasing, you, (laughs) you know, like, I wonder where I got it from, but just, I was so desperate to, you know, I think as a kid to fit in, sure. I was so desperate and I was so desperate to be liked, Mm -hmm. you know, I would do things that, you know, that I, I would just, I'd be like, what do you, you know, what do I do? How do I become liked or how do I, you know, whatever. And I never really I think part of me never gained an identity. You know how kids mm-hmm. kind of have their own identity? They're very yes. strong in who they are. Yes. I don't think I ever had that because I always felt like I had to apologize for something. Right. Well, the, the, because who you were wasn't accepted. So it must be unacceptable. And so, yeah. Yeah. So in discovering, you know, that I I kind of realized how it played into the rest of my life. Sure. And how it played into, you know, when I went to high school and, you know, in the fact of uh, being, you know, just still made fun of there, like the, the made fun of thing never stopped. It just got more sneaky. They just got more sneaky with it. They just were not so obvious. They would say or do things, right. or whatever. Um, you know, I, I never, and then, you know, and then even getting into cheerleading, I thought, oh, okay, cool. I can be part of the in crowd. Yeah. No. 
that didn't work either. I got made fun of even more for that, but, but I loved it. So I didn't care. Yeah. Um, well, that's where we met. So yeah. <laughs> purpose served. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and I think at that time too, is like, that was in eighth grade. If I go back to eighth grade, I mean, I lived with my dad who in Maryland, who used to make me run every day and who used to make me do that because something was wrong with my body. I wasn't thin enough. Yeah. And so there again, let's just redefine and let's reestablish, you know, body image issues. Um, and, and not only that, but I felt there was competition because at that time he had just got married. He had a stepdaughter that was his princess, you know, mm-hmm. and I never grew up with my dad because he was, you know, when they were divorced. So it's like, yeah, there, there was a lot of emotional trauma that happened in that one year that I lived there. Yeah, I bet. My gosh. Um, but it, it's just interesting how we don't realize that we can say, oh yeah, I was bullied as a kid or, oh yeah, this, or, oh yeah, that. But if you think about it, everything that you lay down in the foundation gets compounded as you grow. Absolutely. Even as an adult, I mean, like for a moment in my lifetime, I was a very promiscuous human. Why? Because I didn't value my body. And then I thought, okay, well, maybe somebody will love me if I offer it to them. So again, creating a very dysfunctional idea of relationships and, and things like that and, and not really trusting anybody. And uh-huh. at the same time, trying to be, trying to do everything I can to make people love me. Yeah. Well, trying to chase that feeling that, you, that, they, that you've never gotten. Um, I mean, you hear all of the, the non-acceptance and zero of any kind of acceptance, not even self, self-acceptance, right? I mean, the ideal being for somebody to be able to come in and say, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you think. Are you happy? You know, and not having that as a kid creates exactly what you just said, an adult who built that house that ha- without even knowing because the foundation was there, right? We build on a foundation. If I find a foundation, I don't have to build one. So I'm just going to build on top of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's, that's um, the kind of investigation that needs to be done, right? Because there's a lot of emotional stuff that goes in there. You know, when we talk about trusted adults not being there for us, it adds, it, it, it takes another route, right? So we, we, now we've got our little I don't know what they call them, the little side roots. I'm going to call them side roots, <laughs> but right. So we've got, you know, trust issues. I can't trust people to tell me the truth, right? What's the truth? What's not the truth? I mean, there's so many things that come from doing this investigation. That's why it's important. It's not just to pinpoint. It's not to finger point. It's not to say, hey, you know, all of these people failed me. Yeah, that's there because you need that narrative in order to remind you that you aren't a failure, that those people failed you, but it is also to gain knowledge and understanding of the whole of the issue, right? It's not just, oh, hey, you know, there was no, there's no self-acceptance, like, yeah, okay, but there was also no teaching of self-acceptance, there was no teaching of accepting others, there was no teaching of, you know, being able to stand strong, like, there was so many other things that weren't part of that, that if you don't learn that, then you don't have them when you're an adult either. 
right? So we're, we're, we're addressing something that began with body issue, but then we're getting into some more other self-worth issues, yep. right? Yep. And that's why this investigation is so big because it is never, like we can't say it enough, it's not about your weight. <laughs> it's never about your weight. It's always about all this other stuff. No, exactly. And I think too, is that understand that this investigation piece took partly the longest for me and, and really, you know, and, and it's not just going to happen in, in a couple journal prompts. It's going to happen over time. You probably mm-hmm. already know part of your narrative. You probably already know part of the investigation through mm-hmm. healing other avenues. And that's, that's how I could piece things together was because I'd already started in other ways to heal myself and heal my past and recreate my narratives that it was easier for me to discover some of the stuff. And yeah, a lot of it, you'll find a lot of it does connect together. It's like you have one main route and it's always going to have offshoots and tentacles and like different paths that it's going to follow. And, you know, like you said, Vanessa, if you build the foundation based off of what you believe to be true, which is really false, you've built yourself a very shoddy foundation that you, it's hard to build off of as an adult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like my friend, you know, I was talking to my friend the other day and talking about the, the, the desire to feel loved and sacrificing my body for that and like doing what I can. And just, you know, it's like, that's part of, I think that has a lot to do with part of my body issue is the desire to be able to feel love yes, and experience it and not just mm-hmm. someone saying, I love you. And me just kind of deflecting. I don't, it doesn't permeate. Right. It doesn't because I don't, I don't know what that means. I think I don't know how that feels. I don't know what that is yeah. because you can't understand it because I'm in constant rejection of myself. Absolutely. Because the, 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 reason for looking for it is not based in that purity that allows you to receive it right the 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 pure reception of love is not one that we question because we feel it we know it we don't have to question it we question the stuff that we don't trust right and when we have the narrative that we are not desirable in whatever way when we are desirable it's a lie essentially that there's there's some sort of uh, ulterior motive for why somebody's giving this love because it can't possibly be about me being worthy. I've, I, I know, I know the message is that I'm not worthy. So what do you want from me? What else is going on here? What are you gaining? You know, just all of that negative, um, the, the negative comes with that love. So we keep chasing it because we know what we're looking for, right? Our heart and our soul knows what we're looking for. Yeah. But our belief systems get right in the way and we, we can't find it. We can't allow it until that's healed. And then you just feel, feel pure love without question. And that's what we're, you know, like that's, that's the, the, the beauty of it. We all feel it on some level, but I think when, again, like when we're searching for something that's based in pain, really hard to (laughs) really hard to soothe that because it's, it's, it's never gonna, it's never gonna cut it because we need to do it without the pain and it has to not be pain driven yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah 
that's my investigation. I know, like, <laughs> I like, like I feel deflated, yeah. not in a bad way, but in a good way. And okay, it's like there, there it is. There's, there's our root. There's, there's where we go. We, you know, and when you know the root, you may not necessarily start healing from the root. Mm-hmm. You have to heal some of the symptoms first, sometimes, because mm-hmm. in order for you to access that root, um, sometimes we need to put a few band-aids in place to stop the dam from leaking yeah. in order to be able to fix the entire structure. Yes. So I don't know. So what would some good journal prompts, I think, for, for people to kind of consider on their investigation? Well, I think a good one is kind of what you started when you, when you first started talking about your own journey is like, what instances can I, how far back can I go? What, what instances do I have in my memory of when this message came in, right? Like, and going as far back as we can is helpful sometimes because of what we've talked about with our reparenting. If you haven't heard a lot of our podcasts, you will hear that we talk about reparenting our inner child often. Um, and that's part of this journey too, of being able to, um, you know, see with our adult eyes and brains, what, what happened when we're seven, so we can rewrite that story. <laughs> um, but go some, some of that journal prompts, um, I think, should be like, what's my earliest memory of negative body experience? What is it? It could be abuse. You know, some people are going to say, you know, that that's going to be what happens is that was when I detached from my body was the first time that I felt abused because of my body, you know, and that's, that's going to be it probably maybe a little bit heavy. And so I um, will, we, we caution people that when we're doing heavy work like this, that we make sure we have our safeguards in place. So before you sit down to do a journal prompt like this, um, you know, have, have your, your trusted people on guard, (laughs) you know, or know who your trusted people are so that you can have somebody to talk to if, if this brings up some things that are, um, you know, making you feel really, borderline unsafe if you feel unsafe if this throws you into a place where you don't feel safe um call 911 go to your emergency center if it's um you know if it's something that you're unsafe with if it's something you feel like you're okay but need to talk to someone get a therapist um you know speak to someone essentially don't try to do this alone if 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 you think that some ugly stuff is going to come up because um that could, that could turn into danger. And we don't want danger here. We're here for the healing um, through, through this ugliness. But yeah, I mean, how far back does it go? Some of, some of those experiences, you don't have to go through every one of them. But I would also say, not just the experience, but what did I learn, right? And go back into your little kid brain. Like, what did seven-year-old me learn in that experience? What was, the, what was written on my tablet that day? Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And, and, and know that friends that we're also here to help. Um, you know, I've, I'm lucky that, you know, I always have a therapist on hand if I need something. <laughs> um, I also have my friend, Vanessa, who's another therapist. And if I go into crisis, I just have to be like, I need somebody to talk me off the ledge. Um, but know your triggers, please be aware of your triggers, be aware of where this may send you. Um, again, as we always say, just please be aware of yourself. And if you do need someone, we're also here to help. If you need to talk it out for a minute or just to express to somebody and to just maybe receive some validation for your pain, we're here for that too. Cause 
sometimes it's nice to hear somebody say you weren't crazy that way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, when, when I, cause when I think about some of the things I think about myself, I'm like, I feel a little crazy because (laughs) no normal person should feel this way about themselves. And then, but when I, (laughs) but you know, in the context of how it came about, I'm like, oh, I really wasn't that crazy. That was yeah. really something that I learned. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Like that's, well, that's an appropriate thought to get from that event, <laughs> you know, right? Like how could I have come out of that without feeling that way? You know, that's good. That's good investigative work because, you know, there's, there's a lot of narratives that we, a lot of stories that we make up that we go with that without examination. And, um, they really can be to our detriment, but yeah, that, that, uh, the, just the knowledge that you're not crazy, the knowledge that, um, that some of these things are, um, sometimes common helps, um, sometimes really hearing somebody say that's truly fucking terrible what happened to you. And I'm sorry, (laughs) right. You did not deserve that is a good feeling to hear, you know, so sure. Yeah. Well, friends, thank you for joining us for episode two. And this was the investigation. Join us next week again for the next podcast in this, this, I don't know, this journey. Thank you for joining us. We love you. Yes, thank you. Love y'all. Thank you for joining us on Freud's Angels. We are thankful for each of you opening up your heart to us. To continue the healing, connect with us on Instagram at Freud's underscore angels and on Facebook at Freud's Angels. Please subscribe to the show so that we may help you continue your journey. And remember to give us some love in the review section. If anything we've talked about today has triggered an emotional or mental crisis, please call 911 or head to the nearest emergency center. And always remember you are loved, you are worthy, and the world needs your light.